let's take our copy of the Word of God together, please, to the book of Matthew again. We're going verse by verse through the first book of the New Testament together. We're in Matthew chapter 4, and we've arrived at verse number 12. Preaching this morning, verse 12 to 17, on great light, great light. What a blessing it is to have light. We have it in our homes. I'm, I'm thankful for electric lights. I'm glad I don't have to be Amish and light candles all the time. You know, that's hurtful for your eyesight, you know. Thank God I can just flip a switch and have light. We appreciate that. It's been a blessing. But you know, the greatest light isn't physical light. It's spiritual light. And there's so many people that do not have it. There are places you can go to church and not see light. And so that's the subject that's before us as the Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry brings great light to people. Matthew chapter 4 verse number 12 as we read. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison. He departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth. He came and dwelt in Capernaum which is upon the sea coast. In the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As we look at this, little, this great light, this text is telling us that Christ has brought, we start in verse number 12 with a sad fact. The Bible said in verse number 12, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison. He departed into Galilee. Now, I want to say immediately that Jesus is not leaving town because he's afraid. There's a much greater... He's not afraid of anybody. <laughs> he'll look Pilate in the face, and he'll look the high priest in the face, and he'll look Judas in the face. He's not afraid of anybody. But there is a reason that this is in the Bible as he is... Proceeding with his ministry in Galilee. The Bible says Jesus heard that John was cast into prison. You remember what Jesus said about John? We've seen John the Baptist in chapter 3 and preached a little bit about him. The Bible said that Jesus' statement about John the Baptist was that he was a burning and a shining light. Now, I think that's so important as we look at the text. John was the one that God touched and filled and commissioned and gave the message to stand out 
when no one else was speaking and when the prophets had been silent for, for all of those years and he stepped out after hundreds of years and began preaching and bringing light to the world. And Jesus said, John is a burning and a shining light. He was a wonderful light. There was no greater prophet than John the Baptist. And the Bible says now they put him in prison. They put him in prison. Light in a prison. Light in a prison. What does that tell me? Well, that tells me that everybody doesn't appreciate the light. Everybody doesn't want the light. Everybody's not interested in the light. All the world doesn't want the truth. Matter of fact, they have hatred toward it. We're not going to get to it, but even in this book of Matthew, it tells you why he's being put into prison because Herod gets so angry at him because he's preaching the truth to him. He's saying it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. You're not living right. It's not pleasing to God. And that was light for him. But what a privilege when God lets us know we're wrong. Everybody didn't appreciate that. What a privilege it is when God shows us the sins of our heart and that we need to come to him and and, and let him cleanse us and change our lives. But everybody didn't appreciate that light. And so Herod is very angry. And I think probably his wife is more angry than he is. But that's a message for a later chapter. And so they put him in prison because they don't like his light. And they want to hide it. You know, the very interesting thing, and I, I, I won't get in it. Completely, but the very next chapter, chapter 5, do you notice where the Bible says in verse 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. He talks about in Matthew five fourteen about the light of the world and see the sun on the hill cannot be hid. You know, I think a lot, of, I think this world really would like to get rid of the light. The Bible says men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And people don't come to the light lest their deeds should be reproved. They don't want to see what's wrong with them. And they don't want to see the light of the Lord and the truth of God. And they would like to hide it if possible. They would like to silence it. They would like, as it were, to put the light in the prison. But the thing about God is and the thing about light is you can reject it, but it's still going to march on. And though John is in prison and he is no longer preaching on the outside, God just sends somebody that's, that's greater than John to keep up the preaching, and that's the Lord Jesus. And John wasn't even worthy to tie the shoes of Jesus or even carry his shoes. And so a much greater preacher, much greater light is going to come out of the fact that the world and the authorities wanted to get rid of the light. They didn't appreciate it. Didn't like what he was saying. And so the rejection and the hatred of the light is not going to stop it. But mind you, it will make it go to a different place. Here the Lord is going to be leaving Judea. And the Bible said, verse number 12. Now all of these events are going to be more recorded in another gospel. If you want to get them in chronological order, it would be better to look at John's gospel. But nevertheless, Matthew just simply tells us in verse 12, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed. 
He, he left that area. And he went to another area. He goes into Galilee. As you know, the ministry of our Lord it is all over the, the nation of Israel. A lot of it is down in the south around Jerusalem where all the centers are and all of the, all of the population on some of the, the coast as well. But, but, but up in the northern part, in the insignificant part, that is called the, the place of Galilee. And Jesus departs when they hear that they put John in prison and he leaves them and he departs and he goes up into Galilee. That tells me this, that if you don't want the light, God will send it to somebody else. If you're not interested in it, he wants to bring you the light. He wants to give you the truth. But if you're not interested, he'll just, he'll, he'll just walk it to some other place. That's not just true about individuals in areas. It's true about nations. It's true about the world. If you have any type of understanding of church history at all, you can see how the light of the gospel and the truth of of God's word has marched and how it's left one place and gone to another place. You can see it marching across the globe and These people don't want it, so it'll go to another place. It's sort of like when Jesus sent out his disciples and he said, when you go and preach, you you can go to the door and you go to the city. And if they don't receive you, then shake off the dust of your feet and then go to another city. Because if they don't want the light, somebody else might want the light. In other words, you don't get the privilege of continuing and have the light if you reject it. He will depart and go to another place. You can see that also. Look at the very next verse. In Matthew chapter 4, he says in verse, in verse 12, he says he departed into Galilee. And then he said, verse 13, watch it, watch it, watch it. And leaving Nazareth. Do you see that? Now, you know from the Bible that Jesus with Joseph and Mary, they had settled down after they came back out of Egypt. They settled down at Nazareth because that's where Joseph and, and Mary were from. And so Jesus grew up at Nazareth. He worked there. He he became a grown man there. He had a business there. He worked in business with his dad. He was a carpenter there. Most of all of the years of the life of Jesus Christ was spent in Nazareth. That means those people were privileged, above all people, to rub shoulders with the Son of God more than anybody on the planet. And now Jesus leaves Nazareth. Now there's a reason they left Nazareth. He left Nazareth because the Bible said that they didn't receive him either. If you recall, Jesus even said a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and among his own people. And he was speaking to that to those in Nazareth. In other words, I grew up with you and because I, I, I grew up here, you don't really appreciate me and you, you, you just uh, assign me to, to, to something that's not too important because you're so familiar with me. Familiarity breeds contempt, the saying says. And this is what I want to say to you about that. The more familiar you get with the gospel and the more familiar you get with the Bible and the more familiar you get with the truths of God, if you're not careful, you'll get so familiar with it that it won't mean as much to you anymore. 
And Jesus Christ, when he stepped out on the stage and began preaching the gospel, he walked into the synagogue at Nazareth and he, he, he took the Bible and he began to preach the Bible. And the people at Nazareth did not appreciate it. And they even tried to run him off the cliff. They didn't, they, they didn't receive his message. The people that had the most knowledge of the Son of God said, we don't want to hear you preach. You should know what he did? He left Nazareth. You're going to take John, my burning and shining light in Judea, and you're going to put him into, into prison? Well, I'm going to leave Judea. I'm, I'm going to go to Galilee. You at Nazareth don't want to hear my preaching in the synagogue and you you don't want to hear the truth of God. Well, then I will leave Nazareth. You know, one of the dark places on our planet, sadly, is the United Kingdom. One percent of those people go to church. The majority of them are atheists. You have a Bible in your lap because of England. You speak English, not American. Well, most of you. Mabuhai. But that was the place of the great light. Hard to find it now. You know what happened? They said, we're not interested. Guys, the light's fading where you're living. And it's not God's fault and it's not the light's fault. It's people saying, we're not interested in that book. We're not interested in the gospel. We're not interested in in the light of God. We would rather have our darkness. So you know what what the Lord will do? He'll go somewhere else. He He doesn't need America. Any more than he needed Britain. Any more than he needed Israel. Any more than he needed uh, uh, the, the lands of the seven churches of Asia. He's left there. If you go there where Ephesus and Thyatira were and all those, all those great churches and, and the church of Philippi, you go to those places and, and you won't find congregations and, and you won't find the gospel. You know why? Because somewhere down the road those people said, okay, we've had enough of this. We want something else. We're not interested in the light. And so the Lord says, he's a perfect gentleman, I'll, I'll take it somewhere else. You know, there are some places around this world that are just longing for the light. By the way, that's why we have missions conference. That's why we, we sacrifice because there are people around the world that are interested in getting the light. Oh, what a joy to, to bring some of them here. Brother, Brother Sisson, when he was here, and showed us his work in the Philippines and thousands, thousands of people that are responding to the gospel and filling up uh, the place to hear the word of God. They're wanting the light. But here's what the Lord says. Now, now we know that about nations. But what about you, friend? What about you personally? You want God to turn the lights out on you? All you have to do is say, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to hear that. Because when we reject light, when we reject truth, God's not obligated to show us anymore. One of the great arguments of the atheists is that God is so unkind because of all the heathen people that are around the world that have no chance and no opportunity and no understanding of the truth. Well, the, the reason that atheists come up with that because they've never read the Bible, you see. They've never studied what God said about that. 
The Bible says that God lighteth every man that cometh into the world. But now that light is not a huge expanse of light, but it is light. He gives understanding. If you read Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2 and Romans chapter 3, this is what you'll find. God gives every man light. You have to be insane or, or willingly rejecting of God to look up at the creation and not know that there is a God. You don't even have to be, you, you don't have to have intelligence very high to know. Look at those beautiful white pillowy clouds and the wonderful blue sky and the, the, the babbling brooks and the streams and the waters that come and, and how the rain comes and fills up the planet and then the evaporation goes back and it comes back down and the sunshine that's just perfect and keeps us warm. If the sun was any closer, we would burn up. If the sun was any farther away, we would freeze to death. That it was all put together by a plan that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and how does my body keep working so and I'm not working it I'm not telling my body to breathe I'm not telling my organs to function but God has made it so perfect it I cannot be an accident I can't be an accident. All these babies that are being born and they, they're being born and they come out and the strange thing, uh, just about every time they got ten fingers and ten toes. And two ears and two eyes and one. That's not random selection. That's a God that's organized and put us together the way we are. That's light. Man, where'd this come from? And man can seek that even if he's in a jungle of where there is no preacher and there is no teacher and there's no written book. He can see that. And not only the creation, but Romans tells us in his conscience. In his conscience. Why does a man in the jungle know it's wrong to kill somebody when he's never heard anybody preach that? How is some heathen individual know it's wrong to commit adultery on his wife though he's never seen a verse of scripture in his life to tell him that? There's something built up in the human conscious, consciousness that we know right and wrong. You know what that is? That's light. So a man can respond to that light in creation. A man can respond to that light in his conscience. But this is the truth. If he starts turning off those switches, God's not, God's not obligated to give him any more light. From the creation to the conscience to then the commandment, God will bring the word of God to anyone that is responding to the light. If he has to go into Alabama, amen, and grab some Christian by the nap of the neck and say, go halfway around the world and tell him the gospel. But here's the question. Are you responding to the light? The truth is most of the people on this earth that God's given light, they've turned it off. They know there's something wrong with them, but they don't seek God to know what that is. They want to ignore it. They want to stay in the darkness. This is why it's so important for us to respond to the preaching of the Bible and the words of God. Because when God gives you light, it's such a privilege. And if you don't, if you don't care, and if you reject it, and if you get complacent with it, He can depart and go somewhere else. He can leave Nazareth and take it to where someone is really interested in hearing it. So I see light in a prison. Why would you want to put 
light in a prison. Aren't human beings so despicable? <laughs> There's a lot of people deserve to be in prison, but it wasn't this man. What was his crime? He turned on the lights in a dark world. Light in a prison. As I keep looking, look at verse number 13 again in Matthew chapter 4. The Bible says, In leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zebulun and Nathalem, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun, the land of Nathalem, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. I see not only light in a prison, but light in a needy place. Light in a place that is not prominent. Even today it's not prominent. If you go to, the, to, the, to Israel today, I've been there. The, they don't even care about, still about Galilee. Nazareth is, is mostly all just Arab people. You, why did the Israelis let them live in that area? Because they don't care about it. They're, they're more interested in Jerusalem and they're more interested in, in, in the, the, uh, the coast there. They're not interested in that Galilee area still. They don't, they don't care about it. You know why? Those are country people. Those are ignorant people. I mean, the, the, the borders. Do you see that? These people are way out in the borders. He uses that phrase in verse number 13. In the borders. Not, I mean, not, not just, in, not just in, the, in, the, in the tribe, but way out there in the borders. He even calls it, look at it with me, please. In verse number 15 at the end of the verse, he says, Galilee of the what? You see the contempt of that? The Jews couldn't stand the, the, the Gentiles. They were dogs. They were the heathen. That, that was us, you know. By the way, I'm not a Gentile anymore. I belong to Jesus. And in Jesus Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. We don't even give a, we don't even give a flip where you're born. We're in Jesus. And that he's our identity now. But the Bible says these Galileans, they're on the borders. They're up there far away from the rest of Israel. They're in the, a place that's not prominent, out of the way place, a border place. I mean, they're up there with those Gentile people. Galilee was not a, a religious center. There were no temples there. There were a few synagogues up there, but it, it was not a religious center. It, it was not a political center. There were no uh, judges up there or, or uh, governors up there. There were no palaces up there of politics. Those are just ordinary, out-of-the-way people. That not even, they're, they're insignificant up there in Galilee, you see. It certainly was not a financial center. All the money wasn't flowing through Galilee. Can, can, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture of Galilee where Jesus did most of his miracles, where Jesus did most of his preaching, the place where he began to call home. 
is a place that was not prominent religiously. It was not prominent educationally. It was not prominent politically. It was not prominent financially. It's way out there in the border. It's in an out-of-the-way place. It's out there closer to all those Gentiles that nobody wants to be around and nobody cares about. And Jesus says, that's where I'm going to take my great light. That's where I'm going to go preach. You know half of his disciples come from Galilee. But you know what they are? They're just old ignorant country people. They're just fishermen. Matter of fact, if you remember, you remember when uh, Peter Peter denied the Lord and he was out there and Jesus was on trial and one of them grabbed Peter and says, uh, you were with Jesus because this way he says, thy speech bereath thee. You know what he said? We don't talk down here like that country southern, or that hickish drawl that you're talking with, Peter. He spotted a Galilean like that. You're from you're from uh, you're from the countryside. You're from the ignorant part of Israel. We can tell by the way you talk. Isn't that even what they said? Even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when Peter and John, I mean, they're preaching and they're doing the work of God, and the leaders of the nation of Israel said uh, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus when they saw they were ignorant and unlearned men. That's where Jesus took the light. You know why? Because they wanted it. Didn't matter how poor they were. Didn't matter how how, uh, insignificant they were. It didn't matter how far out they were. And I tell you, it doesn't matter how far out you are in your life. If you're way out on the borders, I'm glad that God's not just sending His light to the main place. He's sending it to the border place. He'll send it anywhere where somebody's interested in it. And that's why we're concerned about Zambia. And that's why we're concerned about Nigeria. And that's why we're concerned about Nepal. You talk about it out of the way place. I can't wait for you to meet this young man going to Nepal. I know we support Brother Hearn there. But, but, but Nepal is such an expansive country in, in geography. I mean, that, that's the place of Mount Everest. You've you, you got to be a hiker to really... It, it's this this young man that's coming. He's a Nepalese guy. Name is Beam. Is spelled B H I M. That's the way you spell his name. He's hilarious. He loves Jesus. A missionary reached him with a gospel over there in Nepal. He got saved by the grace of God. They sent him to America to Bible college. He studied the Bible to be a preacher so he could go back to his people and preach the gospel. Met, met a, a girl there and got married with her who was a missionary's daughter. But Nepal is such an out-of-the-way place. Nobody even cares. It's out there on the borders. Oh, God, help us to be willing to get the light to the borders. Get it wherever they're interested. Get it to the needy places. I reminded myself of a, and I went back and found it, took a little digging. i never forget hearing a message by Dr. Bob Jones Sr. Probably in the late 50s, he died the year I was born. 
and he talked about light. He said, you know, there are different kinds of light. If you go there in the parlor and the chandelier is hanging, that light is there for looks. It's for glamour. It's for company. It's to show off. But he said, you know the light I'm concerned about? He said, in the middle of the night when I'm in the bed and I get up out of bed and way back there in the back hall, there's a little back hall light out there that helps me get to where I need to go. And it's a small light and it's an insignificant light. And it's not for looks and it's not for glamour and it's not for company and it's not for show. It's for safety and it's for necessity. And oh, we're not trying to have a glamorous life. We're trying to get the light where the darkness is so steep that if they don't get a light, they're in danger. And Jesus said, I'm going to go up to Galilee. I'm going to go to the place where the high priest doesn't care anything about. And I'm going to go to the common people. And I'm, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to shine my light. Galilee of the Gentiles, far away from the chosen Jerusalem. Oh, if we ever see ourselves as anybody else except those out in the borders. If we ever see ourselves in the prominent place, he's just liable to take his light away. Light not only in a prison, but light in needy place. The needy place of Galilee, the needy place of the Gentiles, the needy place of the borders. But look back again at our text. He says in chapter 4. This is a quote from the book of Isaiah. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. In other words, God is sending the great light to the dark place. And may we never think that we're supposed to shine our light to people that have it all together. We're supposed to be shining our light to the darkness. Evidently, the Bible says, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. These people in Galilee were in great darkness. Not just educationally, but evidently sin, because sin is that thing that brings the darkness in our life. If you remember some of the, the greatest victories of our Lord in His ministry and His miracles, where with some of these people in the darkness up there in Galilee, that man, that maniac of Gadara that was in those chains, he was up there. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus was willing to bring the great light to the dark place, as dark as it was? And I remember what Dr. Robertson said, the, dark, the darker the night, the, bright, the brighter the light. Don't quit shining the light just because it's getting dark. Amen. Jesus delights in bringing His light to the dark place. He said, oh, the place is too far gone. It's too far devil-possessed. That's exactly where we need to be shining the light. Some of these homes of some of these people we minister to and we bring their young people into church or some very dark places we're going to keep shining the light there we're not just trying to shine it in the 
in the prominent, nice neighborhoods. We're trying to shine the light in the dark places. And it's getting dark. But thank God in the midst of the darkness, the Lord can turn the lights on. And I'm glad that this great light is greater than the darkness. You know, it doesn't matter how dark it is. Just one flip of a light and the darkness leaves. You, you know darkness and light can't stay in the same place. When God Almighty said, let there be light, there was light. I mean, that quick, the darkness fled away. You know, that's God, however dark your heart. May, we, we got some, listen. We, maybe they're even here this morning. We got some people whose minds are dark. Their hearts are dark. There are people that plan some of the most despicable, dark, sinful things. And God says, I can take care of that darkness if you'll let me turn on the light. But you know what happens sometimes? What happens is God tries to turn the light on and uh, people are sitting in darkness. Now everybody in the back is going to wake up to this morning. Amen. We, 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 turn, we turn the lights off, and then, then God sends His truth and turns the lights on. Somebody says, oh, no, I like it better that way. Turn that off. Anytime you want to, you, you, can, you can turn that light off and go back to your darkness. Men love darkness. But God says, I can bring something in your life that's a lot better than your darkness. Those that sat in darkness, they just sat there in darkness. Hell is a place of darkness, no light there. Outer darkness. And the Lord says, I can bring light to the hell you're living in. I can bring light to the sinful darkness that's destroyed and bound up your heart and mind. I can turn the lights on. You'll let me turn the lights on. The people that sat in darkness saw great light. And then he said this, And to them which sat, See, they're, they're stationary there. They can't move out of that position. To them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. They're not only in darkness, but they're in death. They're in the shadow of death. Darkness and death just come together like hand to glove. Darkness brings death. Sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. The power of Satan and his darkness brings death. But the Lord said in the book of Hebrews that he is the captain of our salvation. Amen. He had the power to destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil who all our lives were subject to bondage and we were afraid to die. And God says you're sitting in the shadow of death and you can see nothing but death in your life. And the Bible says I'll bring light to you. Light to you during your death. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you and you'll have a light. There's a little hymnal that says that there's a light in the valley of death now for me since Jesus came into my heart. 
I got light. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. He says, I tell you what, you're down there at that valley of shadow of death. I'll be the light you need. I'll be the light you need. Jesus Christ is the true light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. It's the person of Jesus Christ that lightens our way. Even though we have always been subject to death. He says, if you believe on me, you'll never die. I'll give you light that will transcend your death. The great light is great because it's greater than the darkness. And it's greater than even our own death. As a matter of fact, let me just read that scripture that he's quoting here, Matthew. Hold your finger right there in Matthew 4. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. I saw this in my study and I said, well, praise be to God. Look at Isaiah chapter 9. This this is where he's quoting the fulfillment of this prophecy of why Jesus went up into Galilee. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 1. Isaiah 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as it was, as was in her vexation when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. Watch it. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Look at verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government should be on his shoulder and his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He said, though you're in this great darkness and this shadow of death, God sent you a son. He sent you someone wonderful. Oh, we ought to praise him for the light. You could have been born in India where one of our missionaries is headed to. By the way, had to work. I've been working three years to get Brother Gazaway here. We support Brother Gazaway to Egypt. This is his brother in India. You could have been born in the place where they worship cows instead of eat them. You. You could have been born... In the Islamic Republic of Iran. You. You know every day we ought to, we ought to walk outside and raise our hands and say Lord thank you for the light. Amen. Oh there's still light in Iran. But I, I'm glad I'm in a land that has a lot more light than it has darkness. Oh what a privilege that God's brought the light to us. And what a sadness people keep turning it off. Light in a prison, light in a needy place. Don't ever give up on the needy place. If he can reach us, he can reach anybody. We look at ourselves as such dignified Westerners, but we used to be just as barbaric, amen, as the American Indian. I know where my people are from. Them Scotland people, they just beat each other's brains out all the time. Barbarians. All them fancy French people. You know what they used to be? Crazy. Gauls just killing everybody. Barbarians. 
Well, then how did Western civilization get to be like this? God gave us light and somebody responded to it. But Brother Roloff always said it's back to the Bible or back to the jungle. You know what's in the jungle? Darkness. Light in a needy place. Then lastly, light in the prison, light in a needy place, and then light in the preaching. Watch this in verse number in chapter back in our text in Matthew 4, and I'm finished, verse number 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach. You know, I thought if they can ever figure out this stuff about time travel, I'm just kidding, okay? I want to hear him preach. (laughs) I mean, for heathen people to hear Jesus preach and say, Never man spake like this man. For them to step back and say, Wow, what gracious words are proceeding out. The power that must have been of the Holy Ghost in the preaching. From that time forth, Jesus began to preach. What's he doing? He's spreading the light. And oh, it's great light because it's great preaching. Repent. That's light. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You don't have time to wait. There's, here's light for you. Do something with it now. Preaching is great light. That's why he said in the next chapter, we, we even hinted at it. He let, let your light so shine before men. Get it out there. Get the preaching. I'm committed more than ever in my life to the work of the gospel going around the world and to the work of preaching. Preaching is dying, but preaching is light. And if we don't have preaching, if we don't have light, all we'll have is darkness. We have a world full of darkness. From that time, Jesus began to preach. The Bible says, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. And then it tells us that we have received the light in the face of Jesus Christ and that we are to give that light, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It's our job to give the light for you to preach to your relatives. Amen. Right, right now, every mother in here I will ordain you to preach to your kids. You need to preach to your children. It's not just a man thing. The Bible says that men and women went everywhere preaching the word. Some people don't know what to do with that. We're not talking about women being pastors and women getting up and doing what I'm doing. But amen, every time you take a Bible and open up and tell somebody that they're on their way to hell and Jesus is the only way and this is how you get saved and this is what God said, you're preaching to them. You're giving them God's message. You're proclaiming to them the light. And we need that with, with, with young people. We, you don't need a call to preach to bring the light to somebody. You can give it to your neighbor and your co-workers and your friends and your relatives. Amen. Take a mission trip halfway around the world and do it somewhere else. But that word's got to, we've got to get that word out there. Peter said, man, I, I heard the voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. I, I heard him. I heard God speak. But Peter wrote and he said, but I want to tell you something. You 
have a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. This is the light of God. And what I'm trying to... Jesus is not just the light. This is the light. Thy word, Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light. Let's shine it. Shine it. Shine it in your house. Shine it on your car. Shine it in a sign. Amen. Sign it with little things. You put stickers on your mail that you mail out. Put it on your email. Put it on your Facebook. Put it on whatever you want to put on. Amen. Just shine the light. This is great light. You know why it is? Because it's God's very words. The entrance of thy words giveth light. That's why the devil don't want you to read the Bible. He don't want you to get any light. That's why it's so hard. It's such a chore for you to read the book. He didn't want you to have light. That's why the devil works overtime. Don't go to church. Stay out of church. If you come, get up and leave. If you go, get mad at somebody and don't come back. Because the entrance of thy words giveth light. And the devil don't want you to have light. You have it through the Word of God and you have it through preaching. And what great light it is. Guys, I'm nothing. I'm a zero with the line rubbed out. But there are people in this world that cannot even dream of sitting in a building like this and hearing the preaching of the Word of God. They can't even dream of it. God's got all this light. And so many times we hear it. Yeah, I'll come back next Sunday. Maybe not. Maybe maybe the propane tank will blow up. Maybe we'll freeze over. Maybe we'll have a famine. Maybe God will send meteors and bust up. Maybe somebody will accidentally push a button and A nuclear bomb will go off at Brown's Ferry. Guys, how quick can the light leave? And we just think it's always going to be there. From that time, Jesus began to preach. No wonder I think the disciples were so sad. Boy, I appreciate the Holy Ghost he's given us. And I know that's a great, such a great thing nobody ever had, but. Man, I wish I could hear him preach again. Because nobody preaches like Jesus. If I could just hear him one more time. But there were thousands and multitudes of people that didn't even want to hear him preach. They didn't even come. They didn't even care. Well, they heard the greatest preaching the world has ever heard. And they left and said, I don't think I'll come back. I got things to do. I got a life to live. And they turned off the great light. You have the great light this morning. There are people that only dream about holding the Bible in their hand. And you got two or three or four in your house. 
And I don't think we will ever get the burden for missions that we ought to have as a church until we appreciate the light that God has given us. We're not going to shine it to anyone else if we don't appreciate it ourselves. If we don't hug it up to our breasts and kiss it and love it and read it and cherish it and live it and thank God for it, we'll never have a burden to get it to somebody else because it's not all that special to us anymore. And we'll not be so burdened to get someone else a church and someone else a preacher because it's, you know, it's just the people that sat in darkness saw great light. And to those that sat in the shadow of death, the region of the shadow, light is sprung up. God help us to keep letting it spring up.